Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I just want to take a second to thank you for tuning in to today's show. My name is Colin Kelly, co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast, along with the great Sean Siegel. We do appreciate each and every listener, and as a thank you to each of you, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL pass. We're heading at full speed towards the season. Make sure you're ready. Get yourself access to all the content and tools up on the Road of His website. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout to get yourself that 10% discount. Now let's go and dominate those fantasy leagues in 2021. Player skill versus projectable volume as it relates to ADP. That's what we're talking about this week on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. With me as always is Sean Siegel, and we're joined by the absolute GOAT. Uh, as our first ever guest, you know him as the king of, of the depth charts, the guy who knows everything about everything in, in football. I don't think there's anyone in this industry who knows more in depth about all 32 teams, which is just such a such a huge asset. And it's why we wanted to bring him on for this particular topic. It's Evan Silva. How you doing, Evan? I'm doing great. Um, and I'm really glad to be on the show with you guys. Sean Siegel is a guy that I've, ever since I first started reading him, which, I mean, what is it, 10 years ago at this point, um, try to consume as much of Sean Siegel as I possibly could. Uh, I think brought him on the uh, Ross Tucker show uh, at least once. Um, need to have him on the ETR show. Um, and then Ben Gretsch, of course, you've been crushing it um, wherever you wherever you've been. Always someone that makes other people smarter. And uh, I always really appreciate people like you. So um, let's uh, let, let's dive in. Well, Evan, I think that people often see us as approaching fantasy football differently. But I know that one of the things I've appreciated at different points is when some kind of controversial topic related to zero running back or some other things would come up, you know, you've chimed in in a very friendly fashion. You know, that's always very much appreciated. But I think that there are a lot of things that we do more similarly than people might realize. As Ben mentioned, I mean, you are widely considered, and I know for me personally, look at you as being sort of the most knowledgeable sort of football person within the fantasy industry. And when there are things that I'm trying to figure out football-wise related to depth charts, related to player talent, related to scattering ports, all that kind of thing, I mean, you're the first person I would go to for that information. And the thing that we've been talking about through the first couple episodes of this is this idea that talented players and the, the skill level, the talent level that a player has is maybe something 
that is not being emphasized enough in fantasy football. It's the first thing that I'm looking for when I'm drafting, you know, much more than projections. Where do you think we are as an industry and how much emphasis do you put on player talent, player skill, when you're putting together your projections, your rankings, and doing your drafts? I mean, is that something that is the key to you? Or are you looking at, like so many people, you know, mostly player volume? That's a really good question. And I think it's really difficult to answer because, and I feel like you've written about this before, Sean, is that player talent can be very nebulous. It can be a product of situation. It can be a product of just a, a, a poor evaluation of play, a player coming out of college. I remember when Stefan Diggs was coming out of Maryland, for instance. He was a fifth-round pick. Um, he really didn't have a great decorated career. He did some things on the field that were uh, – that you know he flashed. He was a, he was a flash talent. Um, and But when he came into the NFL – I think it was easy to underrate his talent, you know, based on a, a number of, of, of legitimate data points, you know, from from, uh, you know, beginning with with his draft slot because he was a fifth round pick. Um, so I, I think that and, and then when you know, and then you when you see like a player go from a situation where let's say he doesn't play with a very good quarterback or he plays in an offense that doesn't throw the ball very much. And all of a sudden he goes to a situation where, uh, you know, the, the team throws the ball a lot and the quarterback puts the ball in his hands. You know, his, his talent can be elevated. So talent to me is, is kind of nebulous. And it, look, it's something that I think I'm trying to peg and, and you're trying to peg. We're all trying to peg. We would all love to be great talent evaluators, but the NFL itself is not very good at evaluating talent, you know, I mean, if you and, and that is uh, demonstrably, uh, you know, accentuated by the fact that, that how bad they have been at, at quarterback evaluation over the last, let's say, 12 years, because their hit rate in the first round is something like 30 to 33 percent, which is about as good as, you know, some NFL draft Nick or, or whatever you want to call them. I mean, they, they could do about as well as that, maybe a little bit less. Maybe the NFL is a little bit better. Um, but but not that much better. And so I, I do try to side with I do tend to side with the, the 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 notion that these players that are in better position to accrue volume and um, and certainly at the quarterback position, like run to accrue stats. Uh, those guys are, are, are the guys to, to to pin your hats on. And then, you know, to try to be a, a talent evaluator, to try to be a better talent evaluator than your competition. I mean, hey, if you can do it, more power to you. But man, it's it's difficult. It, it's really difficult, and I think that's kind of one of the tenets that really, you know, as as a you know an OG reader of, of Rotoviz, you know, I, I think that Rotoviz like went out of its way to, um, you know, try try to pin that down and use data to to pin that down. Um, and, and, and so I think that's one thing that you can appreciate about it, but it's still like, it, it's difficult to say who's better than who, because a lot of it comes down to just who's going to get the opportunities. Absolutely. But, but even just stepping back from like individual player skill for a second, I have a, a funny story that I wanted to tell, um, which is part of the reason I want to bring you on for this. The very first time I ever met you, Silva, 
came out to Chicago back back in the day, and it was Ezekiel Elliott's rookie year. And I remember you were taking Zeke in the first round, a little higher than ADP, and, and on some public board, you know, drafts. I think I was taking him first overall, actually. You were taking him very high, yeah. And yeah. and I was seeing some drafts, and 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 had a uh, had an argument with um, uh, Chris Harris Harris Football about that. And he just, I mean, he like legit like came out and called me like a dumb guy for that. And yeah, I mean, it was interesting enough that I remember seeing these drafts on Twitter that when I got a chance to meet you, I was like, I'm going to ask him about this. And you gave me several reasons that were were all good reasons. But the one that has always stuck with me, like literally to this day, was you mentioned, everyone's talking about the Cowboys had a good offensive line, but you mentioned they were not just five deep on their offensive line. Their sixth offensive lineman was not only very good, but a swing lineman, I can't remember who it was. It's like maybe like Ronald Leary or something. Is that right? I don't know. Do you remember? Is that okay? Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. And 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 your point was even if they get hit with an injury anywhere on their offensive line, this guy is so flexible as well that they will still be able to field an elite offensive line. All at all five spots are covered. And and it struck me then, and I've thought about it so much over the years that you were drafting Zeke in part because of this, you know, this number one, your, your, your great knowledge of, of the, of rosters and skill deeper down the roster. There's almost probably no one else who was considering the sixth offensive lineman on any team. What you're doing there is, is contingency based drafting. You're building a range of outcomes. You're considering the chaos that is in every NFL season. And you're already building this, this player take that, that weighs in different scenarios that could happen. If an offensive lineman goes down, he doesn't lose this, this advantage that he has. And that is like such a key thing that it didn't even relate to whether or not Ezekiel Elliott is a very talented player, but you're looking at player skill, you're looking at player value um, for the offensive line in a way that uh, create, helped create that take. And I just, that compared to like when we when we sit and do projections, like a similar example, a, a player I want to ask you about, it's like Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is a guy that's really hard to project upside for. doesn't catch a lot of passes. You were on him heavily last year. I was not. Sean, I think, also was not. We, we took the L on this one because the big dog ate. Oh, gosh. Come on now. So, on. <laughs> but he's a tough guy. He doesn't get the high value touches. He no, doesn't, he is. Yeah. I mean, even week to week, he's a tough guy because you're never going to get that game where, you know, he catches five passes for, you know, 45 yards and boom, you got nine and a half points to add on to your rushing totals. You know, that's never right. going to happen. Right. Yeah. Which, which, which limits. And, 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 and and we got really good good you know fantasy prognosticators working with us like Andrew Wiggins I mean he's won a ton of money in in DFS and you know he is Levitan is very sharp and, and these guys you know they struggle to compel themselves to pull the trigger on Derrick Henry I, I think it changed a little bit this past year but um but I, I mean I totally understand why like. You know, I mean, the the running backs that have the capability, like you know, Christian McCaffrey, you know, and and they're really they're in the same tier. But McCaffrey, we, obviously, why do we have McCaffrey so far ahead of Derrick Henry? It's because McCaffrey can have a big rushing game, great. So can Derrick Henry, but Christian McCaffrey can have nine catches for seventy five yards and a touchdown in receiving alone, and Derrick Henry has no chance. I mean. That's like almost Derrick Henry's season. So what you was know? it? What was it about Derrick Henry that put you on him last year? I mean, it was player skill. It was it was that he yeah. was that good, right? Yeah, I mean, it was also um, I, I believed in the um, the the design of the offense. I, I was a big uh, Arthur Smith pr- proponent, and you know he obviously now has elevated and promoted to a, the head coach in Atlanta that he would just do smart things. 
I, I like the offensive line. I like the construct construct of the offensive line. They actually lost Taylor Luan uh, about uh, their their stud left tackle about midway through last season, and they still maintain a pretty high level of of offensive line play. Uh, I thought that they had a pretty light schedule, and uh, when you're talking about a running back that's very dependent upon positive game script, um, you know, I mean, you're talking about Derrick Henry. I mean, you, in the first year of running backs, there's no running back that is more uh, dependent upon the, the game scripts in, in which he's going to encounter than is Derrick Henry. And that makes him a r- big risk for, for this year, actually, because I think that the Titans might take a step back, although I love them getting Julio because Julio is a true on-field difference maker. Um, but uh, – yeah, I, I just there were a lot of lot of uh, a lot of positives working in in the favor of Derrick Henry, and so that that's what upheld my confidence. The guy's never been hurt too. I mean, we we've let, let's be real, we've gotten some really nice injury fortune as, as Derrick Henry's the Derrick Henry support 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 group uh, has uh, has encountered some very nice injury fortune over the years with Derrick. Henry. The dude has never been hurt. He might be unbreakable. He, Dude, he might genuinely be. I mean, I'm knocking on some wood right now. <laughs> guy, yeah. When you, you mentioned Henry, and we're talking about Henry there, uh, another player who has some similarities, I think, is Nick Chubb. And we're talking about players who may be the best pure runner in football. Henry and Chubb are not the kinds of guys that I draft because if I'm going to have exposure to a running back early, I want this potential, not likelihood, but potential for massive upside. I don't think that they have that. At the same time, I think that they're more likely to stay talented than some other backs in that range are likely to maintain volume. And so I think they're actually better picks than some other players in that group because I believe in how good they are. Does does that come into play for you when you're looking at some of your projections and you're looking at this volume idea? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is that I, I really agree with you on Nick Chubb, uh, in particular. And I mean, I've, I've kind of been below ADP below market on him um, year over year. And and this year by far, because I have him like 16th overall. And I mean, I've seen him go like as high as number six or number seven overall. He's uh, at football guys championship. He's, he has a locked in first round ADP top 12 ADP. And I mean, I have him like, you know, mid second round. He just, he's, he's another guy that, you know, he doesn't, See, like he, like Derrick Henry could carry the ball 400 times this year. Like that, that would surprise no one. Nick Chubb, that's not going to happen for him because of Kareem Hunt. Um, and then he's also got the receiving limitation. Uh, but I, it's it's a fair comparison. I think that J.K. Dobbins is also uh, in that sort of like spectrum. Like you know how Rich Rebar does the, um, he does like the top down. He doesn't necessarily do like tiers based on uh, statistical projections. He does them like. In, um, in in uniformity with like what type of player they are, and, and J.K. Dobbins actually a little bit further down the board uh, falls into that same category, and because his receiving projection is we hey did, I mean he averaged six yards per carry last year, you know, and I think he could do it again. Like why why wouldn't he do it again? Almost you know, uh, I think he'll, he'll finish. I think he'll finish above five yards per carry and below six yards per carry. But I still think Najee Harris, who might average three yards per carry, is um, you know, is is a way better pick than, than J.K. Dobbins. This is one of the mistakes that I would make, you know, early when I was a fantasy analyst. Like I would care about things like yards per carry, you know, and 
God, who gives a shit? Just who who is going to get the ball the most? You know, and that it's it's re- it's really simple. I think the running back projections, the running back draft picks, it, it, it just make it make it simple, stupid. You know, and 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 I, I think that who's you know who can you project to get a million touches? Like those are the guys you want on your team. You know, stop worrying about efficiency. Hey, it, I would rather have my guy be efficient than, than not be efficient. But man, if a guy has a chance to get like 350, 400 touches, do not care about if you, if you think he might, his offensive line might struggle. Like the Steelers just released uh, David DeCastro, who's a six time Pro Bowler. Their offensive line was already not looking good. People are actually going to downgrade Najee Harris for that. I'm not going to move him at all. Because I mean, I don't think his 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 touch projection is changing whatsoever. Um, he's going to get the ball a million times. That's fair enough. Uh, and 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 running back is is certainly such a volume heavy position. Wide receiver is is, is one where we, we have to consider talent a little bit more. Obviously, just the ability to earn targets is, is more of a skill based thing, and so the volume isn't as guaranteed. The routes can be uh, more easily projected, but we don't necessarily know who's going to get the ball thrown to him that that requires some skill uh on the player part and so one of the things we were talking about in in our last couple episodes was this this idea of projectable volume versus skill and and i think it's interesting at wide receiver like the the example i gave was aj brown last year i think 10 20 years ago a guy like that who closes rookie year as well as he did would have been a second round pick the next year but we're in a little bit of a different world now where regression and, and volume is is so heavily known and influences ADP so much he was going in the fourth round and even there you had a lot of people saying I can't project him for enough targets he can't go there um you you know I can only project him for basically round five value so you can't take him in round four uh but obviously we know that players have very wide ranges of outcomes they have the potential to hit massive ceilings and a player like AJ Brown from a skill perspective obviously had the potential to be just massive he has the, the 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 rare combination of before catch and after the catch efficiency that is going to he's going to be in a, a plus efficiency player's whole career because of that because he, he'd have to kind of struggle on both sides to, to not be able to hit that and so i'm wondering uh when you look at receivers and you look at guys that are like maybe just in good roles that you don't necessarily think are that great but they project for targets i i guess a, a good way to pose this question is do you think there's an edge right now with the market overvaluing the uh maybe like the russell gage types or like i always think of tyrell williams a couple years ago with the raiders that everyone said he's going to get 100 targets he has to get 100 targets but then he didn't because he didn't have he did get hurt he did get hurt hurt. that's fair um but i'm curious you're you're i i I was never on the tyrell train though (laughs) with the the raiders though yeah for for the record yeah no i'm glad i was hoping i i I didn't step on i'll step on your toes on that yeah remember no Russell Gage is a very interesting one to, to try to pick apart this year because, I mean, hey, we've seen him have high reception games, right? But he really hasn't done very much with those opportunities. He is uh, encountering a situation where, I mean, he he was a late-round pick from the previous regime, and the new regime has no ties to him, no, no reasons to try to you know foster his success. But they also have this massive gaping hole at number two receiver. And man, they got, I mean, they got nothing. It's like, it's almost like they want to play with 10 men. I mean, I, I they they should they should have done whatever they could to to keep Julio. I I, I really I it kind of pisses me off that, that they didn't. Uh they they could have done some stuff with Deion Jones contract, the freaking off-ball linebacker. 
who's I mean he he's had some good moments, but he's got a he's got a twenty three million dollar salary, and I mean they 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 could have shifted that around or got rid of him or turned that into like a signing bonus and freed up some money to keep Julio, but but they didn't, and it it really actually in hindsight now it kind of sounds like Julio wanted out himself. Um, Again, I, I think they should have made it right. But, I mean, now they got, you know, Russell Gage and Olamidi uh, Zacchaeus and Christian Blake. I mean, they're they're like punting this number two receiver position. And Calvin Ridley just had foot surgery uh, not too long ago. So, um, I don't know. I mean, Russell Gage is an interesting guy, though. I mean, I, I, I feel like he is, is the cream of the crop among that uh, that that group of uh, you know, complementary receivers behind Calvin Ridley. And so I, I have him like, uh, I don't know, top 110 or top 100, but I, I don't feel very confident. Yeah. I was just going to ask him. that. How confident do you yeah. feel in his ability to earn targets? Pretty low. Yeah. I mean, and I also think they could go find another guy. I mean, we got six months or five months. I wish six months, five months before training camp or months, weeks. God, I, I wish, but, um, and then, and then they could go to training camp and, you know, practice for a couple of weeks. Like, yo, Ola Midi, Zacchaeus, like these guys are not going to cut it. We need to go find somebody else. Maybe they make a trade. Maybe they, you know, I don't know, figure out something with a, you know, a free agent or a guy, or a guy who gets cut and they jump in. Um, so the, I think the confidence level in Russell Gate, in a guy like Russell Gate should be low, especially as we talk at this moment with a lot of time still left before week one. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On this question of sort of talent versus volume or talent with volume, uh, do you have any strong feelings on, I think, maybe the two most interesting wide receiver depth charts slash offenses? The, the two teams that I'm really excited to see play are the Cowboys with Prescott back and the Bengals. Who are the most talented wide receivers in those offenses and who can we really be looking at in fantasy with the fact that they all are out there on the field together? Yeah, it's a great question. First of all, you have both of these quarterbacks coming off like serious injuries, serious injuries. Um, And so how are they going to perform coming off of these injuries? Uh, Both guys, uh, Dak and Burrow, uh, so much of their game is reliant on their athleticism. Um, Joe Burrow was a very, I mean, he was a very productive rusher. Uh, at LSU, I think he averaged like over 30 rushing yards per game. We know that Dak is, you know, is a, a true dual threat quarterback. Um, and now they're coming off these serious injuries. How, you know, is that going to affect how aggressive they're going to be in the running game? 
is it going to affect how confident that they're going to be in the passing game when they drop back to pass? Um, I think that, you know, who is the most talented? I mean, we're, are we, we're, we're trying to stack talent here in, in, in the receiver core uh, for Cincinnati. I mean, I, I, I had my, my reasons for doubt on T Higgins coming out of college because I thought that he, you know, he, he didn't run very well coming out of college, but he was a vertical receiver coming out of Clemson. And then, I mean, he came into the end of, I, I think I, who cares about, you know, that I thought that I thought that I think we just move on from that because he showed he can play. And so I think he's actually an underrated talent right now. And I, I, I totally understand uh, the, the, the budding support among the, the, the savvy, um, many savvy fantasy analysts for in favor of T Higgins, Jamar chase. I mean, you know, I, I, he checks every box, right? I think he checks every box. Tyler Boyd has been a, a rock solid slot receiver and it's just going to come down to the, the performance of, of the passing game in general. Can they, can Joe Burrow stay healthy? Um, you know, it, it, it looks like they're going to get a lot of volume though. They're going to play fast. Zach Taylor has shown a willing to willingness to play fast and throw the ball voluminously and then um you know pretty much the same is, is the case for uh Kellen Moore in 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 Dallas with, with Dak Prescott um I I think I would go Amari Cooper number one in terms of talent and then I think it's a real close number see like Michael Gallup I think is maybe one of the most undervalued receivers in all of fantasy this year I have him 16 spots ahead of his ADP in terms of wide receiver rankings in terms of like overall I have him like 30 spots above he was a guy that a lot of people love going into last season. Everything went wrong that could have gone wrong for him. Um, and I think that if he would have just had a, 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 you know, a modest season last year, he would be like a fifth or sixth round pick this year. Right now, he's like a 10th or 11th round pick. Uh, and I think he's one of the best values in fantasy. And, and I think that Amari Cooper is every year. I mean, for there, there's some anti-Amari Cooper sentiment out there that just never pays off. And I mean, I've stayed ahead of his ADP every single year, and we we've profited from that. And I I, I anticipate doing the same this year. Just I, I, something you know built up in uh, in in Oakland uh, against him, and um, people are are still you know trying to keep it alive as he's been in Dallas. But since he's been in Dallas, he's been a killer. And, and so I'm I'm gonna stay on the on the Mark Amari Cooper train for sure. Yeah, I know. I know Sean. Sean likes him as well. And I remember we did. We the three of us are in a dynasty league together that I, I started several years ago, and I took Amari Cooper second overall right before that that year in Oakland where everything went bad. Um, it was pretty aggressive, but yeah, he's he's still paid off. He's still on my roster, and, and he's he's been pretty good for several years now. I want to drill in a little bit more into your process though, because one of the reasons I wanted to have you on for this actual discussion is like when I hear you talk about all of these things, what I hear is you're your voluminous knowledge of the teams, the the coordinators, all these things that, that you're weighing, you're, the way that I perceive it is that you're essentially playing out various potential ranges of outcomes. You have a very obviously acute knowledge that there's a ton of chaos in NFL seasons. Anyone who's watched the NFL for a long time knows that and knows that we have to expect the unexpected. Um, and I, I think w- when we talk about like this projections versus player skill kind of debate, one of my issues with projections is you're, you're, you're zeroing in on sort of one um, one uh, outcome that is the most likely outcome, but you can get a little too anchored into that essentially. And so if you're not doing projections even, and Sean was just saying he didn't do them last year, as far as I'm aware, you, you don't usually do your own personal projections, right, Silva? 
Uh, I do like really rough uh, projections. I don't, I don't pretend to be like, you know, a, a data scientist or sure. anything like that. You know, I leave that to Leone, you know, yeah. <laughs> guy never goes outside, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> never mowed his grass. He, he loves to stay indoors yeah. and, and do projections. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the way that I hear you talk about things, I'm, I'm hearing sort of like you're breaking down this whole range of outcomes. It's why I brought up the Ezekiel thing and Sean kind of alluded this, to this earlier, but I think a lot of people would put you two sort of at the top um, of, of whatever list of, of most influential analysts, let's say in, in this industry. And you two do have different processes and I've had the luxury of talking with both of you about your processes before. And, but I've noticed this familiarity because Sean does this too sometimes where he talks about, you know, this guy, the, the you know, the guy, the players behind him sucks. So he's going to, he's going to play. He's going to, whether it's volume or, or whatever, he's talking, he's talking about player skill down depth charts and um, it, it's something that I see very similar between you two. And I think there's a pretty huge edge that you both um, are able to, to exploit or are able to recognize where the market is so heavily dependent on what people think is the most likely outcome as we get into draft season. And, and we're chasing this opportunity that is very projectable. Whereas I think when you guys are talking about these like various scenarios that can happen, you're, you're coming to this, this more of a, you're coming to it from a, a wider range of potential outcomes. Um, just as you talk about like how, how strong well, dude, this is. is one of like the key tenants of uh, I think zero, the zero RB article, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it is, it is. But if, how, if, how, if, if shit, if shit goes to shit, then Hey, we're going to make a lot of money. Right. You know, I mean, if, 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 if the running backs, which, you know, are number one is, is the, uh, most injury prone position in the NFL. And let's say like, you know, I don't know, four of the top 10 guys get hurt, you know, uh, you know, a, a couple of them, you know, miss a couple games or maybe they get benched, you know, all of a sudden, like we got backup RBs popping off the waiver wire that we can go grab. Um, our wide receiver picks are looking real hot, you know, um, our, 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 our running backs that we invested in the, in the mid to late rounds, all of a sudden are, are looking a lot hotter, you know? So, I mean that, yeah, that, I mean, it's benefiting from, you know, capitalizing on chaos, I think was one of the, the key tenants really of the original, uh, or, you know, zero RB um, theory. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the definition of, of anti-fragility, I think, which was yes. yeah, part of, part of the title yes. of that original article. But my, my, uh, my, my very long winded question, I guess is, do you think the market overvalues projected opportunity a little too much? Do you think there is room and, and an edge and, and sort of having player stance that like you think these players are good, even if they're in a situation that you can't necessarily project volume because there's going to be chaos in the NFL season, this player would benefit from that chaos. Even, you know, like take the, the Bengals example, all three of those guys, if one of them goes down, the other two, I think are going to yeah. smash because we think yeah. they're all good. Right. So the, the, the target distribution narrows. Yeah. We, we, and, we, and we've still got the high pass volume and, and high offensive play rate working in our favor. Right. And and they're probably going to be bad on defense. I mean, they're going to have to, you know, rally back in games. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And right now they're point. all going to push down because we can't project any of them for tons right. of targets. So, like, do, do you see that as as an exploitable edge to kind of having the stances on, on, on player skill where, uh, I mean, obviously you did in the Bengals, but do you think that's a universal thing? Probably. I mean – I think that where our player skill evaluations come more into play are just the further down we draft, like, yo, you know, I, I, w I want to bet on LaVisca Chenault because I, you know, I think that this dude is a, I mean, I, I think he's a baller, you know, 
And so I'm willing to take him, you know, two rounds ahead of his ADP. Um, you know, let's go real, real deep. Let's go to like to Brashad Perryman. You know, I've kind of always had this place, a special place in my heart for, for Brashad Perryman. And no one's ever wanted to draft him. And, and even this year where they, the Lions actually have a good offensive line uh, and Jared Goff, I think, is going to feel comfortable dropping back to pass and throwing some some deep balls to, to Perryman. And Perryman, when he's had opportunities, at least over the last few years, since he's gotten out of Baltimore, he's been more good than bad. Um, and you could get him, you know, 13th round, you know. So I, I'm going to be willing to bet on talent in that kind of instance. I think as, as you go more, more down the, the board, that's when your talent evaluation should, should come into play uh, as opposed to uh, up top. Do you have some other offenses like the Lions where you think that uh, maybe there is some talent either in the offensive line or maybe you like the scheme fit with players where maybe people are, are looking at the players and saying the players aren't that great, but it's a good offensive line and then the scheme fit for the players they do have. Are there some offenses that we should be looking at where you have some strong player takes kind of uh, putting those two things together? Yeah, it would probably be uh, the Miami Dolphins. And I, I feel like I talk about them on, on every podcast, but, um, you know, so it's it, it gets a little redundant. But, I mean, everybody's really cheap right now. I mean, Will Fuller is wide receiver 41. Uh, Devontae Parker is like, like, I mean, you could get him in every draft, like with no – I mean, he's like ninth, 10th round. ADP. Uh, Jacecki, people aren't really drafting him. Tua is quarterback 21. Miles um, Gaskin, who was the PPR RB8, uh, went uh, in, in points points per game last year. Is You know, I mean, you could get him in the sixth round every time. Um, you know, so I, I think the the Dolphins, and I, I mean, I don't – I just feel like people have – because Tua wasn't great in his first year, when he wasn't even supposed to play, he was coming off that Bo Jackson-like hip injury. You know, he, he came in, he wasn't very good. He didn't really even know the play, but the playbook wasn't designed for him. The playbook was designed by Chan Gailey for Ryan Fitzpatrick, his boy in Buffalo. And so when they would struggle late in games to win with urgency, you know, no, really in hindsight, like no one should, should have been surprised by that. And now, you know, Chan Gailey's gone, Ryan Fitzpatrick's gone. They're designing this offense specifically for Tua. They went, I mean, they went all out to to put shit around him. Will Fuller at one year, ten million. Uh, Jalen Waddle was the sixth overall pick. You know, traded up for Leon Eichenberg to be their um, uh, to be their new right tackle, and they're returning the other four starters on the offensive line. Um, you know, and and everybody loved Tua. You know, not too long ago, and now everybody it seems like everybody's down on Tua. I think you kind of you buy the dip in in that situation. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a, a great example because that's a team that you know when I project them, it's going to be hard to project the upside that you just alluded to that could exist, right? Like that that's not going to show up in a projection. It can't. I don't know. I, I mean, I think that I think this has been a great great conversation. Uh, Sean, did, did you have anything else you wanted to ask Silva before we let him go? Well, I I, I want to say I'm excited for that Gasicki mention because I think yeah a lot of what. Uh, you know, we talk about right now, Rotoviz, is that the elite tight end build is very important. And then the multiple tight end build, getting an elite tight end and then getting exposure to somebody who could be, you know, the next George Kittle or the next Darren Waller. And I don't know that Gasicki, I feel like, has the potential to quite that level. 
but you're talking about somebody athletically, man, young, yeah, young and very athletic. And so, and, and, and then you, now you have, you know, Will Fuller who ran what shit, like fucking four, three, one coming out of Notre Dame. You had Devonte Parker who ran like four, four, five coming out of college. And you got Jalen Waddle. He didn't run, but he was faster he was than both those guys probably. <laughs> but, but uh, if you talk to uh, who's uh, Oh, Devonte Smith, uh, you know, the, the Heisman and Blitnikoff award or did it winner did a, an, uh, uh, an interview with um, Shannon Sharp and Shannon Sharp was like, yo, who's the fastest between you, Henry Ruggs and, um, and, uh, and Jalen Waddle. And he was like, yo, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle got him. You know, he was like, maybe I could beat him in like a hundred meter, but uh, Jalen Waddle can outrun Henry Ruggs uh, according to Devonte Smith. So, yeah, there's video. Uh, I mean, of they're, they're going to have a lot of speed on the outside. And I mean, that's going to open up the middle of the field a little bit for, I think, for for Mike Jasicki. And Mike Jasicki is another excellent. They have so much team speed. It is, it's outrageous. Mike Jasicki ran like four, four fives coming out. You know, they, they have so much team speed. It's, it's insane. Yeah, he's a, he's a monster athlete. I, mm -hmm. I, I do have one last question for you. Uh, as you, as you go along in your whatever fantasy career as an analyst and you and you um, kind of check your own your own trends and, and, and have player takes and all these things. Have you ever found that you've uh, cause something Sean and I were talking about is finding ourselves narrowing our field of players in, in more recent years, finding targets. And, and we're, we're really trying to get more more of our guys, more or less. Is that a, a trend that you've noticed from yourself? Um, like having guys that you really like, or are you open to taking basically every player on the board at ADP, maybe a few guys that you avoid? That's an interesting question. Um, and I think that every year it's a little bit different. Um, and it really, it really would be exposed by how I draft in the, um, in the, uh, the like $1,900 or $1,850 uh, main event FFPC drafts which I do about uh, two to five teams every year, you, you know, almost every time with, uh, with, uh, with other guys, whether it be Levitan or uh, my, my buddies from uh, home from high school, or um, I, I did one with uh, Pat Thorman and, and Reeves and Davis Maddock last year. Um, that man, it really bleeds out there. I mean, you, cause you, you got some shit on the line there. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, and every pick matters and, um, that, that's, that's when it really shows up. And I would say that the way that I've approached that is that I'm, I'm pretty much open-minded to everyone, but people that I don't like players that I really don't like, they, they really got to fall pretty far, uh, for, for me to take them. Um, I, I would say that, yeah, I, I generally stick to a group of players that I, I really believe in um, with, with, with rare exceptions. It's, it's a really good question. And, and it, it fucking bleeds out when you, when you're, when, 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 when you got 2k on the line. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Well, Evan, it's been amazing to have you on the show at the beginning for us. You, I think a lot of people really appreciate what you have done for the industry in that, Obviously, you're a huge name. You have a lot of influence, but you're great with people who are coming up in the industry, giving them support, shining the light on a, a wide range of people and being someone who can help all of those people along, which 
not everybody who is in your position treats people that way and, and kind of does that for the industry. And so uh, that's one of the many reasons why I, I really appreciate you. Obviously, your content is fantastic. Establish the Run is an amazing website. So anybody who hasn't checked that out, you know, make sure that you do it, obviously. Let us know before you go, what are you guys up to right now? What should we be looking for on ETR? Yeah, I mean, we're still building uh, our, our draft guide um, and you can get it right now. I mean, it's, I think it would be comparable to uh, or competitive with any draft guide that, that's out there right now, but it's going to keep getting better. Um, my top 150 is updated every other day. Um, I'm doing our, our, our team previews right now. Uh, which I think if you look at things from a team level uh, and, and we're, you know, I'm talking about offensive lines and defenses and how good is a team going to be? Are they going to experience positive or negative game script, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and also talking about sports betting from, you know, a win total standpoint and, you know, maybe a long shot Super Bowl team or a long shot Super Bowl or a long shot MVP bet, you know, all that kind of stuff. I cover all that in the team previews. Uh, we've got a, a great cast of, um, uh, uh, really, really motivated and, and passionate writers uh, besides me. Um, so, yeah, come check it out uh, at Establish the Run, EstablishTheRun.com. Thanks so much, guys, for having me. Uh, love talking to you guys. Have so much respect for you guys. And, um, you know, let's let's have a great year. That's going to do it for Stealing Bananas on Road of His Radio. I'm Sean Siegel. You can follow me on Twitter at FF underscore... I can't even remember because I'm not on Twitter, so you won't find me there. Uh, my co-host is Ben Gretsch at Yards Per Gretsch. Our guest today, the fantastic Evan Silva. If you are alive and part of fantasy football, you're already following him. But if you're in the 0.01% who's not, make sure you follow him at Evan Silva. And that will do it for today. <laughs>